The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on what is a sunny and beautiful Friday afternoon here in the Auburn and Opelika area. We have not been able to say that too often over the past couple of weeks. It's hot, but hey, as long as it's not raining, I don't care. Hope you're all doing well on this Friday, June 23rd, 2023. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jake go with alongside me as always is carter bird happy friday carter man hope you're doing well oh yeah i'm i'm doing great it's a good friday it might be the most friday feeling friday we've ever had yeah it, it is a friday we've i mean we were doing some show prep we've got uh pickleball on the tv here in the studio we have reached that point in, in the summer that on espn 2 the middle of the day live sports program programming is the pickleball tour championship best three of five hey man hey they're playing though they're playing and it's actually it's kind of exciting one to one and you were telling me you've played i've yet to actually play pickleball and my apartment has pickleball courts and i've yet to go i think a decent amount of people have at least tried pickleball at this point yeah i mean it's a growing sport there's no doubt i mean you you were talking about uh the the courses over in in opelika right they've got the like a complex almost over there where they have pickleball courts and so i've never played i'd like to go at some point just haven't gotten around to uh (laughs) haven't gotten around to to doing it and so that's what's on the tv here in the studio we will not be talking pickleball today we will be talking other things going on in the world of sports it's a friday and so it's going to be sort of wide open got a lot to talk about college world series to talk about uh that that was a lot of fun last night did you know that uh just one last note on pickleball that kevin durant owns a pickleball team i did know that i did so does i didn't know it was in this league but i did know he owned one. uh michael phelps okay i didn't know that interesting Mm -hmm. well if look if big if big name athletes like that are investing money in it then there's got to be something there right got to be something and i did know that kevin durant but i did not know michael phelps did so the more you know on a friday afternoon uh we will be talking college world series had a great game last night our championship matchup is set we'll talk about that we have question of the day and uh coming up at 2 30 uh daryl dapperich will join us on the phone lines talking auburn athletics talking all the things going on in the world of sports and so excited to uh, have him on he does a stint with Ben every week on Auburn Opelika this morning. He hops on Locked on Auburn with our good buddy Zach Blackerby quite a bit. Uh, and so excited to have Dale Dappert back on the show. Then coming up in hour number two, Jack Hutton will join us in the studio 
We'll talk some more College World Series and then want to talk about the NBA draft, a little bit of Auburn news, nothing crazy, but a little bit of Auburn news, and then want to open that up into a broader conversation looking ahead for Auburn basketball in the NBA. So it should be a very fun Friday afternoon outside of the phone call with Daryl. Uh, phone lines are open. Give us a call. Be a part of the show. Be on the line. That number is 334-321-1390. Again, 334-321-1390. Give us a call. What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? What do you want to hear about on a Friday afternoon here on ESPN 106.7? Give us a call 334-321-1390. And want to start, like I mentioned, with the College World Series last night. It was Wake Forest and LSU. It was the pitching matchup we hoped for as it was scoreless going into extra innings and uh, the pitchers showed up and they did their jobs last night Carter and just an unbelievable performance on both sides you get what 11 innings of of shutout baseball out of the LSU staff the uh, the Wake Forest staff goes 10 and then uh, finally somebody runs into one and Tommy Tanks hits the walk-off two-run home run in the 11th inning to advance to the College World Series final, the best of three series against Florida. The number one, Wake Forest Demon Deacons, continue the little streak here of number one overall seeds not winning a national championship in baseball. The curse remains. I think this means now that this is the ninth time in the last 14 years that the SEC will win the Baseball National Championship. Mm-hmm. It is the eighth time that the SEC in that span will finish um, as the runner-up. And that's not counting Texas and Oklahoma with their runner-up finishes as well. Right. So, we, look, we talk about all the time how how the SEC, it's just dominant, man, in baseball. And I tweeted this last night on my Twitter. I said, the SEC is going to win itself another baseball championship you have both teams in the in the championship series are from the SEC baseball is the most dominant sport for the southeastern conference and it's really not close like it's not close baseball in the college game is dominated it's the most dominant sport for the southeastern conference and you see it year in and year out and we had a good conversation yesterday with Lindsey Crosby and with or with um, uh, Chris Gordy talking about Wake Forest, and, and I think Chris brought this up. He said, look, Wake is good, but LSU's battle-tested. Florida's yeah. battle-tested. The SEC is just battle-tested. And last night you saw, of course, Paul Skeens for LSU do his thing, uh, but you also – you saw Rhett Louder, who went seven innings, gave up just three hits and no runs with two walks and six strikeouts. A couple of records were broken last night, including Paul Skeens from LSU, who went eight innings, gave up two hits, one walk, and nine strikeouts. He broke the single-season uh, strikeouts record in the Southeastern Conference last night with, uh, with an early strikeout in the game. And so Paul Skeens, if you didn't know it already, he's one of the greatest pitchers we've ever seen in the college game. Yeah, I mean, he's unbelievable. I mean, he can – if you put him in a minor league bullpen right now and said, hey, you've got 30, 40 pitches to be as nasty as you can, he'd touch 104, and then he's got a – he'd have a 93-mile-an-hour slider. Like, he's disgusting. He's filthy. He's so good, and he's so in command, and it looks so effortless. It looks so easy. 
And yeah, on on big league rest, um, as we talked about with Lindsey yesterday, on big league rest, he went and dominated again. The strikeout numbers maybe weren't as high as they would have been had he gotten full rest. But man, he's special. He's special. Both of those pitchers pitched their butts off and gave their teams a chance to win. Just LSU did just enough, just enough at the very end. Uh, The one and two hole hitters being the only two players on LSU's team with two hits. Uh, Dugas had had, uh, one hit as well in the four hole, but... I mean, Dylan Cruz, Tommy Tanks, Trey Morgan, they've been the heart and soul of that lineup all year. And Dylan Cruz and Tommy White got it done. They got it done. Just get a runner on and run into one and hit a monster home run and become become a college baseball, a college World Series legend if you're Tommy White. Last night on ESPN during the broadcast, uh, Carl Ravitch and those guys, they brought on uh, Roger Clemens, who is uh, one of the greatest college pitchers of all time, talking about Paul Skeens uh, and what they would do. And they asked him a question, and I thought this was really interesting. When considering Paul Skeens, they asked him, they said, if you had the opportunity, would you put him straight into Major League Baseball? Would you just skip all the other stuff and just put him straight in there? And he said, you know... It's not that he's not good enough to do that, but he said, I would still put him through all of the minor league stages for two or three starts just to see how he adjusts, see how he reacts to playing what is professional baseball, right? Traveling a little bit, being a part of a new team, new organizations. And I thought that was, um, I thought that was a maybe not the most common take for when it comes to a guy like Paul Skeens, but Roger Clemens, one of the best to ever do it, he said, yeah, I would still put him through the minors for two or three starts, let him adjust, let him work his way into the majors, and he's going to get there eventually. And, and I think that was a, a really interesting point that he brought up, did Clemens, talking about Paul Skeens. Yeah, put him through the minors. He'll work his way to, to the majors in a very short amount of time, but maybe don't throw him in there to start. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's... I think more likely than not, we're going to see Paul Skeens get drafted to a team that is, does not need him up because they aren't playing for the postseason. Uh, and that's especially with this Pirates team. The, the Pirates right now are the only team that can really take him at the top because he's going to go one or two or maybe three if somehow he falls that far which but I just don't see that happening the Pirates are the only team that are like relatively in the discussion for the postseason but as it stands right now I think you got to say no they've lost 10 games in a row yeah they've they've fallen off they're five and a half out of first place they've got three teams in their division ahead of them with the Cubs three and a half games out of first, the Brewers one and a half games out of first, and then the hottest team in baseball, the Cincinnati Reds right. with Who 11 knew? straight wins. Who knew, man? Uh, as they take on the Braves tonight. and, then, and They do. What? Lindsey's stat was, what, it's the fourth time in Major League history that two teams on an eight-game winning streak or eight or more longer game winning streak are playing each other? Yeah, something since like 1901 or something ridiculous yeah, like yeah. that. I mean, so over 100 years, basically. Um, yeah, so and tune we're, into and that. And we're going to get the first pitcher-hitter 
matchup of two players born in 2002 or later tonight Gosh. in that game? How many people just felt really old <laughs> when you said that a stat? A few of them, I'm willing to bet. I'm willing <laughs> yeah, to bet. A few of them. But they're like, unless you are, you have legitimate, a chance to make the postseason, and if you've got a legitimate chance to make the postseason, we've seen wildcard teams make a run to the to winning the World Series. I mean, we the Nationals did it. Uh, it happens pretty. It happens more frequently than I feel like it should. Yeah. I mean, the Phillies last year were a wild card team that went to the World Series. They came up short, but well, especially now like, that more teams get in, it feels like wild card teams in baseball have more success than about any other professional sport. Is that fair to say? Hmm. I don't know. I'd have to. Well, okay. I guess I guess your your wild card in basketball is the play in tournament now. Yeah, which I mean, there was some success there with the Lakers and the Heat this year, but we haven't seen success in that until now. Right, wild but card in the NFL. Wild, I mean, like, how often you do you make see? it? You might be red hot. You might win a couple games, but I feel like you just, you don't see them. It's not often, especially in the in this current iteration of the NFL. I don't see. I don't think you see many. Wild card NFL teams running all the way to the Super Bowl because you you're gonna have to go through Pat Mahomes. You're gonna have to go through Josh Allen. You're gonna have to go through these unbelievable teams with these unbelievable quarterbacks. The Eagles, with how nasty that defense is and how good they are in the trenches. According to the stat of from pro from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Since 1970, when the wildcard system began in the NFL, only 10 wildcard teams have advanced all the way to the Super Bowl. So there you go. So in, And like what, the, the Giants, when they beat the Patriots the first time, right, that was a wildcard team that won the Super Bowl. But, I mean, of it doesn't those, happen very often. Of those 10 of them, though, six of them won the Super Bowl. Well, our our Graham is saying it's it's seven, so oh, well, somebody maybe. somebody's wrong. <laughs> well, if you're telling me that the Pro Football Hall of Fame is wrong, then I will blame them and not myself. So I, I look either way, either way, your argument is is probably correct about the fact that MLB wildcard teams tend to make better runs than NFL wildcard teams, or like you said in the NBA, it's now the play-in teams. Um, hockey, I mean, you don't really have that because you have the you do have the wild card, but they, it's not like its own separate thing. You play, you just play the top competition in the first round of the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's fair to say when it comes to MLB. And, and what all this is relating back to is talking about Paul Skeens and where he could go and how quickly he could be playing Major League Baseball. So, fourteen wild card teams. This is a article. From last year, 14 wildcard teams have made the World Series in, in baseball. And I don't think the wildcard's been around maybe as long. I don't know. Yeah, and I'm, I'm still looking at this NFL stuff. And it's, I mean, but again, when you're a, wild, when you're a quote, wildcard team, whether it's Major League Baseball, NBA, or, or whatever, you're not supposed to make a run. <laughs> like, you are the last few teams to get into to get into the postseason and then you're playing the best competition the entire way and so you either get hot you either get lucky or you just take advantage of a situation um but as a wild card team you're not supposed to make it and so can't say it's not going to happen but so it appears 94 was the start of the wild card in baseball so 
14 is a lot more in a shorter span mm-hmm. than, than we've seen in other sports. So I would say you're correct on that statement then. I would say you're correct. So, so I mean, if, if you're a team that, that's in the hunt for a wild card spot, I think it's worth, it, it's worth pushing and saying, hey, let's, let's try to win the World Series because you can actually do it. It, it feels more feasible. Mm-hmm. But with the Pirates on this dreadful run that they're on, I think they should just pack it in and let Skeens let Skeens kind of get used to professional baseball in the minor leagues if they draft him, just like the other really bad teams that would draft him, and gear him up, give him a chance to be on the opening day roster next year, like like Lindsay said yesterday. Mm-hmm. And that's my thing is is why would you with a guy who is as good as Paul Skeens who is going to play long MLB baseball? Why would you rush him into it? Why would you rush him into the majors where you're risking, I don't think Paul Skeens is going to have this problem, but you're risking a shot to his confidence? Because if you rush him into this thing and he walks in there his first start and just gets blasted, right? And just not, again, I don't think he has that problem, but what if it does happen? And then his confidence is shot and he falls out and he's never anything in Major League Baseball. Or he goes in and you rush him into it and he hurts himself, right? Or there's so many different things that could go wrong. There's a lot more things that could go wrong than things that could go right by rushing a guy like Paul Skeens to Major League Baseball. And so I'm with you, Lindsey, and a lot of other people. I think you just take your time on it, man. He's going to be good. He could be yeah. great. Why rush it? Yeah. Why rush it? It's fair. I mean, it's totally fair. And I, it's it's going to be fascinating to see how – this series that starts tomorrow, uh, the the College World Series final, how that shapes up, and then I mean the baseball drafts just around the corner, and we know that a lot of guys, even from these two teams, are going to go early in that draft. I think what you're going to see potentially the first three picks could all be from these two teams. From what I was looking at earlier, yeah, in the very season. well could. Very well could. And LSU Florida playing for the national championship in Omaha starting tomorrow. Want to talk some more about that when we come back. Jack Hudden joins us in hour two. I know he'll want to talk some baseball. Plus, our question of the day revolves around college baseball and what it would have been like if Auburn had made it to Omaha. We'll talk about that on the other side as we are off and running on the Friday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7, talking some more uh, college baseball. We we went on the uh, Paul Skeens uh, trip there for a minute, talking about just how how good he is. And look, shout out, obviously, to Paul Skeens, uh, but also a shout out to, to Wake Forest in general because, man, they played really well. I mean, no, they didn't get a lot of hits, but you were also going up against Paul Skeens. But shout out to Wake Forest, to Rhett Louder, who pitched a really, really good game. I mean, it was for old school baseball fans, or if you're a fan of old school baseball, this was a game that you loved. It was 2 nothing. It was tied at 0 going into the 11th inning. So you got two extra innings. And, man, what a tough way to lose if you're Wake Forest. You just let one hang, and Tommy Tanks takes it over the wall. And it was, I mean, no doubter. He hit it, and it was gone, just off the bat. And, um, what a, I mean, man, what a tough way to lose. 2 nothing. You played a perfect game in the field and on the mound. You just couldn't 
couldn't get the bats working enough late and you lose on a two-run walk-off homer. Well, I mean, you'd only allow three hits going for 10 innings. Both teams through through 10 innings had combined for six hits. It's crazy. And then a single and a home run, game's over. Single obviously is irrelevant with what Tommy White did, but yeah, man, that's I mean, that especially if this LSU team wins the national championship, that right there, that's a moment that will go down in college baseball history. Yeah. LSU has some moments like that in the past already. I mean, but... And I go back to a play that, honestly, was even more pivotal than the walk-off home run in the 11th inning because you don't get there if Trey Morgan doesn't have an unreal... Defensive play, runners in the corners, one out. They try to push bunt at him, and he comes flying in from first base and fields it and kind of just like shovel pass flips it to the catcher for the out. Yep. That's in the eighth inning. You don't get a chance to win that game in the 11th if Trey Morgan doesn't make a spectacular play right there. Yep, that's a great point. And and that will hopefully go down as one of those moments if LSU were to win the Literally, national championship. It's not an underhand flip. It's, it's like not you even, said. It's not even this. It's like a, it's a... It's an <laughs> overhand like... Right, like a flip. Shot yeah. put push. Right. Yeah, he just... Whatever it took to get it there, man, he just... He had to do it. And you're right. I mean, LSU probably wouldn't have had that opportunity to win it last night if they don't make that play and so there's some really big moments in what was a low scoring game but a very very exciting game and this gets us to the question of the day we got a few minutes and we'll talk about this some more in hour number two as well question of the day 334-321-1390 if Auburn our favorite game what if right if Auburn had made it to Omaha let's say that they don't fall flat in the regional and they do end up hosting Tennessee, and they win the Super Regional, and they get to Omaha, how would you think, what do you think Auburn would have done? How would they have fared against the other teams that were in the field? The way that it's played out, I know it's it's sort of hard to judge it, and how Auburn was playing coming into the tournament was a lot different than how they played in the tournament, but just in general, just for sake of conversation, Carter, if Auburn had made it to Omaha, how would they have done? The hottest version of Auburn might have won a game, but I still think when when you look at might have won a game, maybe two. I mean, I just look at the way that this all played out once you got to Omaha and the guys that had the teams that had the most talent and were the best all year long were the ones that kind of went the deepest here I mean Florida's been up there all year long you've got guys like uh Cags on that team Caglione who's one of the finalists with with Skeens and Dylan Cruz for the Golden Spikes award award which is the Heisman Trophy of college baseball uh and they, they've got a guy who's going to go in the top five picks of this baseball draft as well um LSU They've got the the names and the star power. I mean, they're they're gonna have probably the first ever one two in a baseball draft by one team ever, uh, which is unreal. Wake Forest has been pretty wire to wire, one of the best teams in the country. 
and Tennessee has the pitching, has the talent, but you know, we don't. I think that they were they were a team that was a little more of a surprise. I would have thought uh, of the teams that made it. Maybe I thought Virginia was a better team, but they were obviously in a yeah in the other side of the bracket. And it was yeah, difficult. It was so difficult. It's, it's difficult for them to have to go through right Florida yeah. and teams like that. Yeah, no, and I'm with you. I think if Auburn would have made it, um, it would have like if had you drawn the Florida side, probably wouldn't have gone great. Or, like had you had you drawn Florida or LSU, probably wouldn't have gone great. If you draw. Maybe a TCU or a Stanford or an Oral, Oral you you have <laughs> yeah. a chance. Uh, but I mean, it's it's. I think we saw such high level baseball in this College World Series. It's hard for me to say that Auburn would have mounted a deep run in Omaha, which is fair. I, I'm a hundred percent with you. I, I just just for you know just for fun, just to kind of plug in Auburn. What would they have done? I think they could have won a game. I don't think they would have made some crazy run. Um, I think they would have been competitive, but you, like you said, man, the talent that was in Omaha this year was some of the best we've seen in a long, long time, top to bottom, even with a team like Oral Roberts, who, let's just be honest, nobody expected to be there. And so, look, Auburn didn't make it. It's been a lot of fun in Omaha, and uh, we'll see what happens. LSU Florida playing for the national championship, but stay tuned. We have Daryl Dapperch on the phone lines. He joins us when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds not the backup Jacob Goins. He is Carter Bird, and we're joined on the phone lines by Daryl Daprich. Uh, we're told Montgomery radio legend and, of course, contributor for Locked on Auburn. Daryl, it's good to have you on the show, man. Hope you're doing well on a Friday afternoon. Man, it's great to be on with both of you. I'm glad I get a chance to talk to both. And uh, legend is a term that's just thrown around way too loosely these days, I believe. So I appreciate the compliment, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, enjoyed it. Really excited to be on with you guys, Daryl. I mean, I, I I think it applies to you. I mean, you've you've we 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 see you everywhere we we look now these <laughs> these days. Whether it be locked on Auburn, whether it be the Max Roundtable, whether it be uh, popping on here every now and then. Yeah, I enjoy that, and it's it's fun to uh, be on the other side of it a little bit. And you know, hosting a show with with Doug on the Max Roundtable for three or four years was a, a lot of fun. But I I kind of enjoy now being the guest. And being on and being able to talk to the host about you know anything they bring up, it's it's just kind of fun. It's a lot more conversational. It's like a bunch of dudes just pulling up a, a stool at the bar, right? And it just feels a little bit more natural. So I've really enjoyed doing that the last year. Well, Daryl, let's jump into it a little bit. We've been talking about the College World Series uh, with all of the fun baseball that's been going on. We have SEC representation everywhere, and you have LSU and Florida playing for uh, the national championship. We just had a conversation about what would have happened if Auburn had made it to Omaha. We won't get into that conversation, but when you look at Auburn baseball in general, as the season has come to an end, we know we have Plainsman Park upgrades coming over the next three years in this 30 million dollar deal in your mind what does it mean for for Auburn baseball and Plainsman Park to be getting those upgrades which is going to make it a destination place in college baseball I think it's the final component I believe that it takes a couple different factors 
to get to an elite level in college baseball, a, a level where you're competing for regional and super regional titles every year. You're hosting those. You want to be one of those schools that it's just an automatic that you're going to host a regional and pretty much a given you're going to host a super regional. I felt like Auburn has the head, the right head coach to get that done. They've been to two college World Series in the last four years. I feel like they do a really good job recruiting and do a good job in the transfer portal. Now, recruiting, as you guys know, is so much trickier in baseball because you can have a top-five class, and you're going after the really, really good players, elite players, and you may get half of those kids to end up being on campus next year because of the Major League Baseball draft. It's so different Mm -hmm. than football and basketball. It's a crapshoot. There's that adage, do you even go after those kids with the chance that you could lose them to the Major League Baseball draft? I think with NIL – now you've got a little bit more of an advantage where you can tell a kid, don't go ride the buses in rookie ball and an A ball. Mm-hmm. Come to Auburn where it's a beautiful uh, you know, stadium and you've got the, the, this, this fan base behind you and what a great experience. And you can make more money in NIL than you can playing rookie ball when you, if you don't consider a signing bonus. So that helps. The transfer portal helps. I think the one aspect that was missing mm-hmm. was the facility. Yeah. As from a recruiting standpoint. And what, what I've seen with those renditions, look, I enjoy Plainsman Park now the way it is. I love it. It's a great baseball experience. I went to four or five games this year. And I think it's electric when the crowd, when they're you know, standing on the parking deck and all that kind of stuff. But what I saw with those artist renditions is going to make it elite. And I think that will help, along with NIL, keep some of these kids from saying, you know, I'm going in the second round. I'll go ahead and jump. No, don't jump. Because riding that bus as a rookie and getting that rookie meal money is a little bit different than getting NIL and being a college student that you get to experience at Auburn. Yeah, I mean, and when you look at, I mean, the best advertisement for not going pro out of high school and and going to college is what we're going to see this weekend where potentially the top three picks in the baseball draft mm-hmm. are going to be playing in this series between LSU and Florida, and that's becoming increasingly the path that makes the most sense. Your your fastest track through the minor leagues, I mean, you, you get through it a lot quicker when you go play high-level college ball in the SEC. And moving forward, are we going to continue to see more and more of these guys make a decision like Dylan Cruz, who passed up on first-round uh, money to go to college, and now, I mean, he's going to be the first pick in, in this Major League Baseball draft uh, to your uh, P- Pittsburgh maybe, Pirates, right? Maybe. A little scoop here. I uh, still have some guys that work within the Pittsburgh Pirate organization that I call friends okay. uh, that I know, and I know a couple of the, the, the scouts there, some people that are pretty well-connected media-wise. The scales may be tilting a little bit. I'm not saying they're not going to take Cruz, but I'm telling you that it's a lot harder decision now than it was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago was a foregone conclusion. I'm hearing that because it's so hard to find an ace mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball, yep. you know, the Walker Buehlers that was taken on the back end of the draft, Garrett Cole, who the Pirates took, Strasburg, who obviously had the arm problems, but it's it's hard to find that ace that's you know ready to pitch for you. And look what Major League Baseball teams do now. They get that ace, someone like Paul Skeens, and the the, the kid for uh, the Angels from Tennessee last year. I'm drawing a blank on his name. But they go right into the bullpen. So they may not start for two or three years, but they are able to help the big club right away by coming out of the bullpen. 
So I think that, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think it's a not a foregone conclusion that the Pirates may not take Skeens because they have so many positional players and middle infielders and that kind of thing in these drafts. So you're absolutely right, though. To, to go to your, your other point, college baseball is the shortest and quickest path and avenue to get to the big leagues. If you're coming out of high school, you're an international free agent that's 16 or 17 and signed. It takes on average five years to get there. If you're playing college baseball right now in some of this competition that they're facing, you can be be up this year. It's so much more common than when I was, you know, coming up and playing high school baseball and you you very rarely had a guy go from college and jump right to the to major leagues. It, it very very rarely happened, but I can remember being a guy that, that lived out west for a while. The Pac-10 was so dominant in college baseball back in the 80s that guys like Barry Bonds and Jack McDowell and all these guys that came through were within the big leagues in a couple years, and you're like, man, this is the, the avenue to go. This is the route to go. I think we're getting past that now to where, like I said, within a year or two, you can take a bullpen arm, a guy that's a starter, for a Tennessee or an LSU or a Florida, and you can put them in your bullpen right away. And if you're a contending mm-hmm. team, you got a kid throwing 98, 99 out of the pen that's 23 years old, even if it's long relief, guys, it helps. It helps in the, in the pennant race. So that's that's another avenue now that teams are going. 100%. Daryl, I've... I... I've got the question here that I think might might be it might be difficult. It might put you on the spot a, a bit here, but with Butch Thompson in baseball, with the disadvantages that Alabama and Auburn have versus the rest of the SEC, uh, the lack of a Hope Scholarship, state lottery, uh, private school money like Vanderbilt has, and then with Bruce Pearl, who took over a dumpster fire of a basketball program, if they both won a national championship. Which one would be more impressive to you? Oh, wow. Great question. I'm going to say the baseball aspect because basketball seems to be a little bit more of a level playing field. Mm-hmm. But not only Vanderbilt with what they're able to do, George, the state of Georgia with the uh, mm-hmm. educational lottery can, can offset a lot of tuition problems. And that's why it, it just blows my mind that Georgia hasn't done anything in baseball. I mean, it, it, you know, they have such an inherent advantage. Georgia Tech has with Ver- Jason Veritek and Nomar Garciaparra, Georgia has not. So I think because of that inherent disadvantage, when you look to the west of you and the Mississippi schools were so strong for the last couple of years, and their facilities are phenomenal. Duty Noble Field's like a, a glorified minor league park. <laughs> you look to the east, you know, Georgia has that lottery. You talk about the scholarship foundation at Vanderbilt. I think it would be harder. I think it would be harder winning a national championship in baseball because it's not a level playing field. If you get to the College World Series, obviously, it's a, I think that it's a little easier path to get to the World Series, especially if you host a super and a regional, where if you're in the NCAA basketball tournament, it, it's not. But once you get there, I think it would be more difficult, and I think it's because of who you're competing against. So, yeah, Butch Thompson's national championship would be a little bit uh, – more of an accomplishment, I think, than than the basketball national championship. Daryl Dappert's joining us on the phone lines here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Switching gears on you a little bit here, Daryl, talking Auburn football recruiting with the dead period set to start on Monday. Uh, For Auburn football, we've seen tons of different high school recruits, some of the biggest in the state and even the biggest in the southeast, have been flooding to the plains for Hugh Freeze and this coaching staff. What have you been impressed by over the last couple of weeks of all the official visitors that have been coming to visit Auburn football? 
I think that that's a big key is that it's one thing to get them on campus. It's another thing to close. With Phillips, Faustin, and Kane closing two weeks ago, Auburn had an incredible recruiting week. I'm hearing rumblings that that could continue into July, that we're a couple weeks out, but that three, four, five more could pop, including some offensive linemen, you know, maybe a receiver or two. So I think that it's it's a situation where I know people fall in love with the flip concept and flipping kids from other schools. I'm just as enamored with what Freeze has done with being on a kid early, like a Joseph Phillips, and then when Tennessee and George and all the other these uh, these other schools came calling, Auburn already had a little bit of a foothold. I feel like Auburn's had that same situation with Cam Coleman. Um, obviously, Perry Williams would be a flip, but uh, Perry, yeah, I, I just think that it, it's important to be in on these kids early. And what this staff has done with being in on some kids early, it's one of those d- situations where numbers matter because if you get a bunch of kids on campus and you only get 30 or 40% of those kids to commit, you're still getting a pretty good haul. And then I also look at the average, the quality. You know, a lot of times we get caught up in these rankings of top, like what Florida's doing right now, but they've got so many more commits than Auburn does. So I look at the quality, the average star ranking, and right now Auburn's at .90, which is really, really good. And I think when you get quality kids, you'll fill out your staff. You'll fill, I mean, you'll fill out your class mm-hmm. at some point between now and December. And even if you have a couple, if you sign 19 or 20, that's where the transfer portal is so big that you can go fill those needs. The quality average star per recruit is a big thing to me, as is who else, what other schools are going after some of these kids that Auburn is getting commitments from, and you're seeing some of the big boys. So flips are important, but developing that relationship from the initial contact, being one of the first on these kids till the end, till signing day, I think is just as important. It might be a big July, like like you mentioned, for Auburn on the trail, but how key is it to get out to a good start in Hugh Freeze's first year to give these high school players some sort of proof of concept of what he's trying to do in year one? Very important. I think it's a, it's a twofold uh, a twofold mission. I think you can get all these kids because there are going to be kids, big dogs that will play the wait and see game. You know, Auburn may have twelve, thirteen, fourteen commitments. That's my prediction before the season starts, maybe okay. maybe maybe 11 or 12 before the season starts. To fill out that class, to get 8, 9, 10 more, some of these kids will commit during the season, right up until early signing period in December. Some of those are going are, are gonna to be show-me guys. They're going to be like, okay, I want to see what receivers can do in this Hugh Freeze offense. I want to see if, if this kid – has been developed so that he can go to the next level. I want to see, you know, from a from an offensive line standpoint, what what they do, or from a defensive a linebacker standpoint, what kind of defense they run. Is is it effective? How many sacks can I get in this offense or this defense? So, yeah, there's going to be some kids, some of the big dogs late. They're gonna they're gonna take the wait and see attitude, and I think it's important for Auburn to build momentum, start out fast, build momentum, because you know a lot of kids commit in September. I don't know why that is, but I went back and looked, and September's a big recruiting month, too. Getting, all, getting these kids on campus, we all know this. I'm not, I'm not being a homer. I'm not saying something. Look, you get to an Auburn game, and you're a high school kid, and it's impressionable. That experience is unbelievable. It's electric. It was electric when two three-win teams were playing last year with Texas A&M and Auburn. 
and people were walking around going, look at that. Imagine when you're playing somebody in a West Conference, a Western division is on the line. It's going to be electric, and those kids will experience that, but you've got to back that up with a W. All the hype and all the electricity during a game gets deflated a little bit if you walk, around, walk away with that L. So it is important for him to get some wins early, build a little momentum, so that it justifies that just rabid crowd base that these kids will see in all the pomp and circumstance of a game. Yeah, and that's what we've talked about, and I've I've done my best to remind you know our listeners and just fans in general of look what Hugh Freeze has done off off the field so far in less than you know in the short amount of time he's been here has been very very impressive. But at the end of the day, Daryl, you know this: you got to get wins, man. It's all about the W. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and I think um, I felt like previous regimes at Auburn have been just total contradictions of that I felt like Tuberville could have recruited better but my goodness did it seem like that craft of that 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 whole staff developed players they took three stars and put them in the league right and then Gus Malzahn's tenure he would get top 10 classes but we'd go why can't he develop a high school quarterback why can't he put guys in the league why are (laughs) receivers not so what I think we have now and I could be totally wrong is the best of both worlds and a hybrid of both I think you freeze can beat you on the trail and get in your living room and get some studs. But I also think him and his coaching staff are really, really good at developing players, putting them in the league because of schemes and what they design up to put them in positions to be successful. And so I think with finally, I think Auburn has a coach. I mean, and it's, it's funny that I talk about that. We had a coach previous that did neither good, couldn't recruit or develop in Arson. So, you know, I mean, it, it's like it's just amazing how there's that model, that Pat Dye model that Auburn brought of a guy that could recruit and can develop. And then after that, it, was, it almost seemed to be one or the other. Couldn't get both. Like I said, Tuberville was phenomenal at developing players. Not Recruiting was just a little bit lacking. And then Malzahn was the flip side of that. With Hugh Freeze, I think for the first time in a long time, I'm not comparing him to a Pat Dye. I'm saying there's some attributes there of him being able to recruit and develop. And I think that is where it's going to pay off in this ultra-competitive SEC now that we're going to get to next year with 16. But you know what? That's okay because expanding that playoff to 12 teams, is it's just all this to me is the perfect storm, it's perfect coach lining up at the right time. And we all know how good Auburn can be when all of those things come together and Auburn has had those special seasons in the past. If everything goes right, if everything comes together, whether it be coaching, playing, uh, whatever it may be, we know how special Auburn can be on the football field when all that is happening. Daryl Dapper's joining us on the phone lines. Daryl, it's always good to talk to you, man. We appreciate you and your time here on a Friday afternoon. It was a lot of fun. Hey, great talking to you guys. Keep up the great work. Enjoy listening to you guys. Have a great weekend, okay? Thank you, man. You, you too. too Appreciate it, Daryl. Appreciate it. That is Daryl Dapper. It's again joining us on the phone lines. A big contributor for uh, Locked on Auburn with uh, Zach Blackerby. He's uh, on in Montgomery. He's pretty much on just about anywhere if you listen enough to, uh, to Sports Talk Radio. And so we appreciate his time here on a Friday afternoon. That is, again, Daryl Dapper. We'll get to our final break in hour number one. Come back, wrap it up, and then Jack Hutton joins us as we start hour number two. All that coming up here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. 
wrapping up the first hour here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Uh, we appreciate Daryl Dapperts joining us on the phone lines, talking uh, all things Auburn athletics, baseball upgrades at Plainsman Park, uh, talking Auburn football recruiting as well. And look, he echoed what what we've been saying. It not like we came up with it, but you brought it up. Got to get wins, man. If you're if you're if you're Hugh Freeze and this staff, if you want to accelerate the work you've already done, it's about getting wins on the football field and he talked about the atmosphere and he talked about and, and I really thought it was interesting because he said look man you can't build all this up for a recruit you can't build up the atmosphere and the Auburn family and the Auburn love and everything about game day at Jordan-Hare mm-hmm. Stadium and then walk in there and lose right basically you can't have another Penn State game that's what you can't have and we talked about that the other day and so uh, I'm glad Daryl went that route because he's absolutely right man it it, they're doing the work off the field and how about him saying that you're almost getting a best of both worlds with Hugh Freeze a, a guy who can recruit but a guy who can develop at the same time yeah and and that's something that we've talked about with Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn could go out there and land some four stars, a lot of four stars, but like 30, 40% of them turned out to be dudes. And that's that conversion percentage is too low. Yes. And that's where I coined that phrase of empty calorie stars, mm-hmm. empty calorie four stars. Gus Malzahn was the king of that. You can go back and look at his classes, how many guys didn't make an impact, how many guys transferred out, how many guys, for one reason or the other, got kicked off the team that were four- and five-star guys, blue-chip guys. Hugh Freeze, I think, and his staff, I think they're gonna, they've got a better uh, plan to utilize the talent. They've got a better plan to get specific talent. It's not, hey, if there's a guy who's ranked 300th and there's a guy ranked 140th, but the 300th ranked guy, he fits better into the scheme, they're going to take the 300th guy. And more than likely, it's going to work out better for what Hugh Freeze and this staff are wanting to do. We'll talk some more about that, plus Jack Cutton joining us as we get underway in hour number two on the other side. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me is Carter Bird, and we're joined by Jack Cutton in studio for hour number two, as he has most Fridays, not all, but most Fridays. Jack, happy Friday, man. Hope you're doing well. Happy Friday indeed, fellas. 
What's going hey, on? Hey, Jack. How are you, buddy? I'm good, buddy. How you doing? Doing all right. Good. Well, it's sunny. It's not raining, so I am very happy yeah, that it's not real. just thunderstorming. Hey, I didn't bring that cloud that Carter wanted me to bring the other day. Yeah, that's fair. And look, as long as it's not rain, it's not supposed to rain tomorrow either, and so it's a miracle. We may have two or three days in a row of no thunderstorms. Jack, it's just good to have another adult in the studio because these two over here have rediscovered their love for for computer games that they played in high school no don't you sit there and talk about (laughs) it because two minutes later you came in and you pulled it up and you were like oh yeah i remember playing this as a kid and started (laughs) playing it too I talked about different games, but but you were playing them at the same like time. The, the I'm still cool nasty math yet. games or whatever it was. That yeah, was that's exactly that's what it the was. The exact <laughs> website they both were on. That's exactly where we were. And look, man, just because we played them when we were eight doesn't mean you can't play them now. No, we had a little not. fun. <laughs> look, it's Friday. We were doing some show prep, and we were like, you know. Yeah, and we just did it. And then Carter talked, he was talking trash, and then he did it. And so, you know what? We're just, we're living our best lives here on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> so, was, I remember there being some sort of game. You remember that old, it was a, like a football game that you could play where you had to like run on the little pedals that were below, or not a pedal, but it was like a little mat where you would have to run. It was like ESPN, not, not I have zero clue like what you're talking about right there now. Was, there was this game that you could play when, when you were a kid that was like that, and I remember just a bunch of computer games that were kind of the same thing, except when they made this as to where you could like you know run with a player while actually like running with your feet on this little pad. I don't know what school you went to but my school didn't have anything like that <laughs> it wasn't a school no no this was this some kid had it in my grade and we went over to his house one day and well, that sounds pretty awesome a, so. what a rabbit hole that wow. us down well we're off and running in hour number two if you missed any of hour number one uh, we talked some college world series we'll talk some more about it here in the second hour as well we also had Daryl Dapperich who joined us on the phone lines had some great conversations with him great uh, content today by the way thank you really enjoyed that appreciate that and he look he's fantastic. I'm serious about that by yeah, the way no like, he's okay. he's fantastic <laughs> daryl is look daryl's one of the best there is and he knows his stuff he always gives great answers and so uh we appreciate him giving us his time on a friday afternoon if you missed any of it from hour number one catch up with the podcast you know where to find it espnau.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast commercial free right after the show today but we have jack hudden in the studio want to talk college world series some more we have a championship matchup we'll give our picks and predictions we have question of the day and then want to talk a little college basketball because we have a lot of stuff to talk about uh, including an auburn player who no he didn't get drafted but he is going to be playing some sort of basketball and we'll talk about that and propose a question that i want us all to discuss here as well phone lines are wide open in hour number two if you want to call in uh, be a part of the conversation be on the line we'd love to hear from you on this friday afternoon three three four Three two one thirteen ninety. That number again. Three three four. Uh, three three four. Three two one thirteen ninety. So Jack College World Series, man, it's been a lot of fun. It's been one of the more fun ones I've seen in a long time, just from start to finish. And last night's game uh, really just set. Really just went along with that. Yeah, if you're a fan of pitching, it definitely was something to watch last night. You know, you get Paul Skeens and Rhett Louder for Wake Forest going after it for, I think they both went eight innings, is that correct? Seven um, and eight. Uh, seven, seven and eight, and yep. eight yeah. So Skeens, again, throws as many pitches as we've ever seen, it seems like, in a college baseball game. Just, um, But, you know, and then, of course, you get Rhett Louder just matching him stride for stride. And, of course, in the end, Wake Forest brings on, like, their all-star closer, and he throws one pitch, and the game's over. 
when Tommy White walks it off. And so it's it's exactly what a tough way to lose. Oh man, man exactly. <laughs> we talked about that. But, just... but that was always that seemed like it was always going to be how that game was going to end. Is one swing by somebody is going to is going to completely win the game because nobody else is going to score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Skeens, I tell you what, man, he's just been so reliable for them. I mean, he goes out there and you know he's going to give you almost every time out. 100 pitches he'll give you six seven innings he's done it in the postseason uh his last two outings in the college world series three of his last four outings uh dating back to i guess his two lane start in their regional he went 120 plus pitches in all of them um and i this, this last one was on big league rest and i think to watch him do that was just as impressive as some of these 15, 16 strikeout games that he has had this year to see him when his team needed it on shorter rest than he's had all year to go out there and pitch the way that he did. It's it really impressive. I'll be honest. I was a little shocked to see Louder get pulled when he did because yeah. he's pretty economical. I mean, he was at 88 pitches through, through seven innings. I thought they were going to give him – at least the start of the eighth, and uh, they did not. And I was a little surprised by that, I'll be honest. Yeah, and, well, the thing with those two matching up together, they're the two best pitchers in college baseball right now. That's just the opinion of most people, I think. Um, And I think numbers would back that up probably. Rhett Lauder is probably going to get picked somewhere in those top ten picks or something like that, if not – um, top five. I mean, he's he's that good. And so you had big league talent on the arm in all uh, on the mound in all areas last night. I think Rhett Lauder would probably we'd be talking about one of the the best college baseball seasons of all time in Rhett Lauder if we weren't already talking about it with what Paul Skeens is doing. Um, I think this is one of the best single seasons that a college pitcher has ever had. I'm not going to venture to say the best because obviously there's been a lot of examples of that, but this is one of the best single seasons by a college pitcher, especially considering he's doing it against SEC competition. He's yeah. done it in regionals. He's done it now in Omaha against the best hitting team in the country. I mean, he's what he's, he's doing is phenomenal. He's 12 and two with a 1.69 ERA and 19 starts. Has thrown two complete games and has. 209 strikeouts and 122 and two-thirds innings. Well, I think you could say the same thing about the Wake Forest team in general. I mean, this was a 50-plus win baseball team, guys, and I know they play in the ACC, which is not anywhere near what the SEC is in conference-wise, but Wake Forest had a really, really good year. They run guys out, and it was a lot like if you were at the Auburn Regional when Penn came into town and upset Auburn. They kept running out guys that just had these crazy ERAs and whips that were below, you know, ERAs below three, whips below 1.4, 1.3. I mean, it was it was incredible that they just kept going to the well. And that's what Wake Forest did. And they bring in one of the best last night, their closer, who throws one pitch and the game's over. Yeah. And the they, ball goes over the fence. So and they can was, hit the, they can hit the baseball like crazy. I mean, we know how many runs they've scored in the postseason and this all season long. And so no, I, I would piggyback off of what you said and just say this Wake Forest team had a really really good year and what a tough way to end it for them but yeah. eventually at the end of the day you got to get hits and you got to score runs yeah and they and couldn't it, and do they it had a chance kind of late with uh, I think Thatcher Hurd was on the hill still for LSU when uh, Brock Wilkin the big home run threat for Wake Forest he's got 31 this year that ties I believe the single season record in all of division one NCAA college baseball um, and he stepped up and he, and he had a chance there I think to 
I think they were running around second, so he had a chance to kind of put an exclamation mark on that season because I'm not sure if Wake scores a run there. I'm not sure LSU comes back and scores one in the bottom of that inning. I think it was whoever scored first was going to win that game. Well, I mean, I I talked about in the first hour, Wake I had a chance in the eighth. Yeah. Trey Morgan makes an unbelievable play just Great to keep play. LSU alive. And with what we saw out of those offenses, one run in the first nine innings was going to win it for whoever scored it. And that turned out – I mean, I think I, – I I know everybody's going to talk about the walk-off home run in the 11th. But to me, Trey Morgan's play on that ball was more impressive. And it was more – and I'm sure – I'm sure you have analytics yeah, that can oh, say I this. I mean, it's absolutely more valuable than the than the walk off home run. I think because you don't get there. Yeah, I know. And I'd I'd have to I'd have to I mean, the the, the analytics that, actually. But, there's no way that the, it, it would say it's a more valuable play nah, play because it's a two run home run. Yeah, and it wins the actual game. Yes, uh, but your point is still you valid. You don't get there. Yes. If he doesn't make that play. The the stat for that, and I know I'm going down a rabbit hole here, the stat for that would probably be what's called win probability added, mm-hmm. which is you know, the result of any play, how much does it make your win probability go up or down? So that'd be interesting to look at, yes. But agreed. I think Trey Morgan is one of those who do we think he could play safety for LSU football? I think he's that athletic. <laughs> Dude, he is, I think he's that he, athletic. He is, he is just an, an athlete, man, a super athlete playing baseball. It's unbelievable. Yeah, definitely so. The, um, and it's I, I, if I'm this LSU team, like they've got the star power, but I love how like you've had different guys step up in big moments and they've made the plays. I mean, Tommy Tanks a walk off home run. Trey Morgan with the play in the field. Trey Morgan and and Tommy White had a stupid game a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. uh, in postseason play where I think Trey Morgan was four for five with two home runs and a double, and uh, Tommy Tanks had two home runs. The seven, eight, nine hitters went nuts in in one of their super regional games, I think, and won right. the daggum game. That was it, yeah, and I think you're thinking of Jordan Thompson, their shortstop, who um, had a big regional when it was. I mean, it was just a bunch then, of different guys that are that are getting hits at big times. And then you have Beloso, who's at least at one point during the um, during the College World Series, they had the stat that, and maybe Florida with all the home runs they've hit, has somebody has caught up to him. But his four postseason home runs was the most that anybody had in the country yeah. at one point. Also, we can we need to have a conversation about how just week his feature was on the sec network that they did on him a few weeks back because like it's like oh he tore his acl and he saw a sports psychologist which every good baseball team and at the college level does and like they i was like it's just normally when we have those features it's tom rinaldi pulling at the heartstrings we did we didn't quite get there yeah i I agree the the thing about this lsu team that that i'll go back to i mean if you remember at the the end of the regular season lsu was was kind of struggling yeah they lose to mississippi state in a series at home yeah when when auburn broke them yeah exactly auburn break you're right auburn breaks them one week and they go and they lose another series mississippi state later and then a fairly quick exit from the SEC tournament in Hoover. I think they, I think they played three games because I think they won their first one, but then lost their next two. And so this was an LSU team that once again, and it it was nothing like last year when Ole Miss makes it in the end, but they kind of limp into the postseason and then they go on this run and they beat everybody and you know they get a big uh, performance from some relief pitchers that come out, get them to the game where they had Skeens going last night. 
Now they got to figure out how to do it against Florida without skeins. Which is where I want to go because this Florida Gators team, they're good, man. Yes. They're so good. And that's why I want to get to this side of it, picking this national championship series. Do you have something else to add on LSU? I want to make one last point because I didn't process this until I saw D1 Baseball write an article about it. The three guys who statistically carried LSU to that win last night were Skeens, White. Thatcher Hurd, and Tommy White. Mm-hmm. All three transfer portal additions this yeah. past offseason. Yeah. How and about you that? Got, you got a big quote from Jay Johnson saying that LSU is the – place to come if you're a top name in the transfer portal um, yeah, apparently women's basketball too yeah Dude, exactly that is a whole other thing man. <laughs> they they had they already won the national championship and then they were like you know what we need some more players we need some we need better players and they, they went out play and a got, game within 30 points this this next i season? don't think so i don't know how they went and got the three or four best college girl basketball players in the country that transferred it's i mean about, it's unbelievable it's about to be another just dynasty like you saw with connecticut a few years ago mm-hmm. where it was just their they're beating everybody by twenty plus. Yeah. Well, when Except you look at crazy. Well, yeah. <laughs> when you look at this LSU Florida matchup starting tomorrow, best of three for the national championship. I'll go ahead and give you my pick. I'm taking the Florida Gators. Man. I am too. I'm taking, I'm taking the, Gators. the Gators. Here's why: they've lost two games all postseason long. They won one in the SEC champion or the SEC tournament, and they lost to Texas Tech back in the Gainesville Regional. After that, they have yet to lose, wow. and they are just uber talented man and they're just i just think outside of paul Skeens, we know lsu is good but i think head-to-head matching up at almost every spot i'm taking the florida gators i'm taking them i mean and what paul Skeens might give you 40 pitches in game three Maybe if you, you stretch that but you're lucky get that be that like that's the thing you gotta get that be too. that madison bumgarner in the world series type rest where like yep he comes to jay johnson and says Shut up! Give me the ball. I like. I'm doing this. Yeah, I like. Don't, you I don't can't care stop if it hurts me. My arm. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm which, going to win a championship. I would wouldn't be, put it past Paul Skeens. It's a little different. He's well, th- but this here's the thing with it, and I I agree in that you could really mess up your arm if you're doing it. Paul Skeens is going top three, even if he has to have Tommy John surgery next week. He's going top yes. three in the draft. Yes, so but I don't know if it's as much of a risk as it may have been, you know, 10, 20 years ago. It's still certainly something that you don't want to do. I get that. But I still think for his career wise, I don't really think that there's a whole lot of risk for where he's going to get drafted. Yes. But I mean, I just I don't want to I don't want to ruin the elbow to have to do Tommy John because I mean, I look at something that we're kind of seeing that's somewhat unprecedented in Major League Baseball, Jacob DeGrom's about to have Tommy John again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He's yeah. never going to be the same. Yeah. And He's coming the back. best pitcher of this generation. The most naturally gifted pitcher we've, may- we've maybe ever seen. And, and he just blew out his elbow again. And you see how tough it is to come back from, from Tommy John surgery, especially at such a young age, too. Graham, what you got? You got something to contribute? Yeah, to, to Carter. So kind of with what you were saying, so all, most of you were saying you're taking Florida. So talking about the whole Tommy John thing, w- would it be worth it if you win the chip there? So Skeens, like you're saying, it may not be worth coming back. For right? LSU. Because, yeah. Right, so yeah. think, think, think yeah. of Paul Skeens, though. So I come back, I risk injury, even if I get Tommy John, would it be worth it if you win a national title versus – 
That's probably. a personal thing, probably. probably. You, would have, you, would, you would have to straight up but, just say, Tommy or uh, Paul Skeens, would it be worth it to you? But I think it's a legitimate question. I mean, I, but, but I still think even in a game three scenario, best case, Paul Skeens, Skeens is only covering half the game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. 50 pitches. But would it be like enough? That. You think that could be enough to make a difference? Because if it could, I mean, you you as a you, you have kid, to get there, which which means LSU is going to have to they're going to have to score runs. Well, you're going to have yeah. to do it anyways. You were going to you were always going to have to find a way to win a game without Paul Skeens. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. But can you get there now? Is one because I don't but, I don't but, think you're winning two games with Ty Floyd and your, maybe Thatcher Hurd getting a start. Your difference is if you don't lose to Wake the first time and you win out like Florida did to the series, Paul Skeens is going. Tomorrow, and then you are, and then Matt, yeah, he you're can 50, go the 50. whole game. Yep. He can give you that full 120 pitches. Heck, he might give you a complete game because we've seen it in the postseason already this year. And he'd be on full rest. He'd be ready to roll. And I just, I wonder if this LSU team can get it done, knowing that at best Skeens gives you half of Game Three. I want to talk about this some more when we come back. 334-321-1390. That's the number to get you through to us. If you have thoughts on this conversation, talking the national championship series coming up this weekend in college baseball, LSU and Florida, give us a call. 334-321-1390. We'll talk some more about it when we come back here on the Friday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back inside the studio here on a Friday afternoon for the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He's Carter Berg. We're joined by Jack Hudden in studio for all of our number two. And uh, Graham, our intern, runs our board, answers our phones, posts an interesting question about uh, Paul Skeens. It's a really good question. If, if LSU can force a Game 3 on Monday night against Florida, which, I'll be honest, I don't think they get there. But if they do... I that, think they can get there. They can. Like LSU can scrape one. But I'm saying they don't. win somehow. I mean... You're gonna have, I think you're going to have to out-hit Florida one day. Yes, yeah, exactly. And they, they have a lineup that can do that in yeah. one game. They do. Absolutely do. I'm just predicting they don't. But let's say for the sake of this argument that they do because that's the only situation where the best pitcher in college baseball, Paul Skeens, would have a chance to step on the mound for LSU. It would be in a limited appearance. He could not go 120 pitches throwing 100 miles an hour plus. He just physically would not be able to do it. If LSU gets to that point, that's where the question was proposed by Graham is, does Paul Skeens go? Does he go? Does he risk the injury? Does he risk hurting himself, his future in Major League Baseball, to put it all on the line for LSU to win a national championship? Because he obviously gives them the best chance to do it. And my answer was, it just depends on the guy. It depends on the player. And it really just it really just depends. You would have to sit down and ask Paul Skeen straight up, hey, how much does winning a national championship for LSU mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he would, if given the chance, I think he's absolutely taking the ball. I think he's that type of competitor. I just, if I'm a team in the top three of the baseball draft, I mean, maybe if I'm three, I'm like, go for it, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> if something happens, you fall into me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but if, right. I'm, if I'm one or two, I'm like, oh, no, I don't know if I like this, but who knows? I still think he's 
worst possible. We're talking about all this like it would be. I think that it's still very unlikely that anything happens. Yeah, yes, yes. If right. he goes out there and throws, I mean, I, what, he's going mean, to get agreed, some But but yeah. it's still it's still a risk. That's yeah, the I mean, conversation Tuesday morning if he plays on Monday and he gets hurt. It's like, a risk, and it's a heightened risk over what it would normally be. Yes, uh, yeah, I agree. And I think the what what drives this also is us talking about okay, if he's going to fall to, let's say the worst happens and he falls to, let's say he falls just. I mean, he drops like a rock, and he goes to six or seven overall. He's still signing multi-million dollar deals. Yes. He's going to go get Tommy 100%. John surgery. He's going to go get, you know, all the best doctors that he can working on a, a different team like this. I mean, think about all the guys that have had Tommy John surgery that are coming back now even better than before. Yes. I don't know if it, it – and obviously this is all speculation, but I just don't see a huge – and again, I know we're talking about injuries here. I don't see – a huge mm-hmm. downside long term from him coming back. By the way, on Monday, did we realize that Tommy White's two-run home run last night was his 99th and 100th RBI of the season? How about Jeez, that? Jeez, I How didn't about realize that. that. <laughs> That's that is insane in a he college baseball season. Yes, 100 RBIs. That is absolutely insane in, in a 63 games. Season. Graham, what you got? So, yeah, so I know this is a big what if, but and I don't know much about Paul Skeens as, as a person, but what I do know about him is, he, you know, he was at Air Force first, right? So you leave you leave a team like that to go to an LSU, why would you do something like that? One, to get your name out there, but two, because you want to be a winner. So I think from the outside looking in, from just what he's done, yeah. you don't make a move like that if you don't want to win games and That's win fair. championships. Yeah. So I think it's fair. I, I think he would absolutely take yeah, the ball. I think I, uh, like, but it's... It would make me nervous if sure. I if I was the Pirates or um, if, or if I was one of those teams at the very top of the draft and I'd be like I'd be watching because it's can't miss television when he's on the mound. But in the back of my mind, I'd be like, oh gosh, <laughs> every I'm time really throws, Every time he throws a pitch, just no, 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 no. Okay, good. <laughs> exactly. I'm, Honestly, the Pirates are going to send on Sunday night. They're going to overnight a fruit basket to Paul Skeen's room <laughs> and just say, hey, buddy, remember us. Maybe take the day off, yeah, man. Yeah, just take this one off. Yeah, take the take this day off. You don't Pirates need to Pirates are going to go play. lock him in his hotel room. Really, yeah. They're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna, Paul Skeens did not show up to the field today. Don't know where he went, but... <laughs> you know, though, but going going back, I think we were talking last segment about if, we, if you're picking winners for this thing, we could talk all day about Skeens, but I think when you're, when you're looking at matchups on this thing, so you both got, you both got guys that are going to go top five in the draft, the position players that... You know, hit the daylights out of them. I mean, Wyatt Langford for Florida is not every bit as good as Dylan Cruz, but he's every bit in, as good as Dylan Cruz. He's he's one of the premier players in college baseball. I think looking at, you know, elsewhere, you've got big power threats on both teams. Tommy White for LSU. You've got Jack Caglione for Florida. Pitching-wise, you do have Skeens, but half of Paul Skeens, let's say, you know, he comes out for 40, 50 pitches on that game three. Is that worth maybe a full of what Florida has in like a Hurston Waldrip on the mound, a Brandon Sprout? Um, so I mean, I, I think that when you take all these into account and you you basically cancel out the top, what's left on the bottom? I think Florida has a better bottom. I think they've got better five through nine guys in the lineup, and I think their bullpen's a lot better, which is why I think I picked Florida to win this. I've got Florida too, Carter. Before the music kicks us out of here, Florida or LSU. I've got Florida, and frankly, I'm a little, and we, we talked about this during the break, considering Skeens probably not going until game three, I'm a little confused why the betting line is this close, and it purely has to be that LSU is the sexy pick with all these 
big names that have made all of these headlines. And Florida's, I mean, they got the number three pick who we don't even talk about. Series starts tomorrow. LSU, Florida for the national championship. Stay tuned, though. We're going to talk some college basketball, recapping the NBA draft from last night. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. All right, 30 more minutes here on the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, we're joined by Jack Hutton in the studio. Want to get on a different conversation with the uh, NBA draft that was last night, the 2023 NBA draft. Hopefully, the most uh, shocking first pick ever. I know, I know. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Believe it or not, Victor Wimanyama went to the Spurs with the number one overall pick. It's crazy, I know. Shocked no, the world. Number but. two pick was... Now, everything else got a little interesting, and I do want to talk a little bit about that, talk about the Auburn note that there is to talk about, and then I have a question I want to propose out of that later on in the segment. But uh, NBA draft was last night. Hopefully, a lot of you tuned in here on ESPN 106.7. We carried the entire uh, coverage of the NBA draft here as an ESPN affiliate. But if you have notes about this, give us a call, 334-321-1390. Yes, Victor Wimbenyama, who is probably the most hyped player coming into the NBA since LeBron James um he just he's a freak of nature man he's seven five seven four seven five playing from France he's taller than Edie there's he's taller the, than there's just about anybody you're in the whatever the like international tournament that Chet Holmgren uh Zach Edie Zach Edie with Canada Chet Holmgren with with the U.S. and and uh Victor with France of them all getting like all tournament team next to each other and, and Chet seven two Edie's seven four and Victor's an inch and a half, two inches taller than Edie. It's Holmgren unbelievable. Looks, and Holmgren yet, looks little in that picture. Yes, he does. Yeah. And I mean Victor's going to be very, very good as long as he can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. I don't love the quote that he had on Good Morning America this week when they asked him if he needed to bulk up and he said why and then was like why shouldn't guys in the NBA skinny up like me? And it's, well, that's just not how this works, my guy. (laughs) Good luck with that. Good luck convincing everybody else. (laughs) And we've seen so many people go to the NBA that believe they can just be a tall, lengthy shooter, and you have to, you got to put on some weight, and I think he will. Uh, But like you said, Carter, outside of the top pick, Everything else got a little interesting last night with uh, Brandon Miller going number two overall to the Charlotte Hornets. He believed to be going three or four. They pulled a pulled a fast one on everybody. And uh, Brandon Miller, who was uh, probably the most exciting freshman on the floor in college basketball this past year from Alabama, goes number two overall to the Charlotte Hornets. Scoot Henderson, the uh, the early Auburn legend that never was. Noted Auburn fan. <laughs> yeah, he went third overall. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) He went third overall to Portland. Uh, And then how about the Thompson brothers going fourth and fifth? That's really, really neat, I think, uh, for those guys to go four and five. So, Yeah, I think think Scrooge's going to be really daggum good. Really daggum good. Um, Interested to see what happens with with Dame in in Portland uh, because I don't think he wants to be a part of a rebuild at this point in his career, but I think he also wants to stay in Portland, so it's a little yeah. bit of... But there were talks about him getting traded, and then Portland yeah. just one day, they were like, nope, shutting it down, he's staying here. Mm-hmm. And that was it. That was over. Well, I mean, you had... Uh, who was it? The <laughs> You had the Warriors say that uh, 
they that they were going to keep Jordan Poole around for four years. Yeah, that for didn't four happen. more years, and mm-hmm. then they said dealt eh, him a week later. We want Chris uh, Paul. <laughs> like what? Yeah, I'm really NBA is wild. Really confused it's what wild. that's going to be, be like. I thought it was kind of very funny uh, that all of the Charlotte fans seemed very upset that they picked Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson. Have, have y'all seen the videos from oh, yeah. like the from in the arena and and at the like watch parties at the at the bars in Charlotte and it's just the entire place yelling no. Did you see the clip? This was unbelievable. The mascot yes, is standing yes. there. They're watching it on the video board. And they announced Brandon Miller, and he just doubles over in like pain. Yeah, at was the that, fact that the, they, was was it was that actually the clip? Yes. Like, were they in there? I thought that was dubbed over that. No. Oh, that's funny. I yes. didn't realize that. That's so bad. It's so bad. And we no, dubbed that was it real. Over. And we talked about this earlier in the week with Brandon Miller. You remember the comments he made He's about talking Michael trash Jordan? And MJ. He was talking yeah. trash about Michael Jordan. He also Jordan. said his goat is Paul George, which should yes. disqualify him. From any basketball question ever. Yeah, and talking about Michael Jordan being average and, and how he was old, and, and then we were like, well, maybe that's just the reverse psychology to get picked number two overall, and it worked. Now, Michael Jordan is not going to be a part of the organization anymore. He sold his stake for uh, a lot more money than he paid for it, but he did well, contribute well, to the I draft pick. And if I remember correctly, I thought he stole his controlling stake, but he is still involved in... He was involved in the draft process, process, but I don't I don't know exactly what his role is moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Well, outside of that, before we got a couple of phone calls, I don't know why you would let him draft because I mean he hasn't done a great job of it. Well, apparently, with if he if he if he drafted last night, look, I think, and just to kind of give one more two cents on this, if you're Charlotte, you're looking at some of these other teams in the NBA, and you're thinking. Oh, we are. We already have got you know a big time guard that mm-hmm. that they think is going to be a big time guard in Lamelo Ball. My thing is look at look at these teams that are successful. You're having two guard lineups essentially, or two feature guard lineups, I guess, that are becoming successful. Yeah, you mean, had the Warriors Denver. with Clay Your and two Steph. guards are Jokic Denver. and Jamal Murray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you're also seeing, I mean, like the Celtics, you know, your team, yeah. for instance, Jalen yeah. Brown, Jason Tate. I mean, you're seeing these squads that they have two feature guards and they're going long ways. And so. My thought was, why not have another guard that's you know that that's pretty that can feature himself mm-hmm. in a lineup like that? And they chose not to do that. They go with they go with a, a forward more so. Um, I don't think it's a bad pick necessarily. I just don't think that it's. I think that a better option was there. Before we get to the phone lines, I want to read through this list really quick from John Rothstein, who covers college basketball just about better than anybody. Notable college basketball players who were not selected in the NBA draft last night. Oscar Shibway, Sonogo from UConn, Drew Timmy, Jacob Toppin, uh, Charles Bediaco, Ricky Council from Arkansas, Adam Flager from Baylor, just to name a few of the biggest names of college basketball that were not Sheboy drafted just, last night. just signed with the Pacers. I mm-hmm. saw that. Timmy, I think, signed with the Bucks. Right. A lot of these guys signed, but they were not officially drafted. And I think it is worth noting that some of the biggest names in college basketball were not officially drafted last night. Let's well, kind of surprise. like... It, this isn't a surprise because I, we looked at the this, – this came became part of the discussion when we were talking about Jani Broom mm-hmm. because Jani Broom, testing the waters, he was really good in the G League Elite camp. He was really good at the NBA Draft Combine. But he was never going to be ranked ahead of Oscar Shibwe 
because of just production and what they've done in college. And if Sheway wasn't going to be drafted, Janai was never going to be drafted. Exactly. And that's why Janai made the right decision to come back to school. Let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Tara, you're on the line first. What's up, man? Oscar Sheway didn't get drafted. That's just wild. I'm, I thought I might have missed it, quite honestly. He did not get drafted. As He's one of the bigger well, names that did not. It's 6'9", it's, it's center. 6'7", because they, oh, didn't they, they measure at the NBA draft combine now. Without shoes, so stupid. Now, so, <laughs> so stupid. every everybody's shorter, so he's six seven, and he can't shoot. So like, what's he gonna do? Yeah, and he's not okay, a good Carter, good defender. Without shoes, have you ever seen a player play without shoes? That's what I Terry. said, Terry. That's, That's what I said. Makes Terry, no sense I whatsoever. Mean, if if That's we're gonna measure people in shoes, like, why wouldn't I just wear like super lifted up basketball shoes just to get my measured and be whatever you weigh in in so what you have be, to play what you have to play in Terry, that be in, the rule. In, in the right <laughs> shoes i mean i i could be 66 six at the nba draft combine yeah, well the green could have been 510 <laughs> <laughs> dang um hey, oh, that's, that's, is the, that, the bozo the bozo comment of the night that that girl that lady they had over i think her name was michelle McNutt or monica McNutt or something like that she told that Houston player, the first player to be drafted in Houston since Akeem Olajuwon. No pressure there, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. There was, I just couldn't believe that. There also, uh, there was a funny moment on the uh, on the draft desk where oh yeah somebody on the panel looked at JJ Redick and said, "This was JJ. Crazy. You were an average NBA shooter, <laughs> an average three point shooter in the NBA." And JJ Redick just had to sit there and just take it. Because he couldn't say anything back, and it's like JJ Redick was a really good three point shooter. Yeah, but that's all he was. So, but now they got you want to say the bozo comment of the night. I mean, no pressure at all, and the greatest players of all time, right? So, in, in the top, I think he was drafted the top ten. So, who do you know the player Jacob? I'm talking about from Houston. I can't remember all the names. I didn't follow Houston that closely. What did Jarris Walker? Jarris Walker. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Appreciate He's it, guys. You have a great weekend. Yeah, thanks you Jarris too, Terry. Walker, watching him against Auburn. That dude is he's built like a really, really stout, strong side defensive end yes. in the NFL. He is yep. he is a fridge on he the court. And don't worry, his his future's bright because he's going to play for the Wizards. God. Yeah. He probably he probably had an NIL deal with, with Ford. I hope he did after that. <laughs> yeah. He's built for tough. Built for tough. Built for tough. <laughs> Let's get to the phone lines again. Get somebody in here that maybe has something better to talk about. The 334-321-1390. Sam, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, uh, I just had a question about why uh, Nick Smith fell so far. Mm-hmm. Great like, question. Was it was it just because he was hurt, or did, were there other concerns about him? He I was mean, as high as three in the draft in mock in, in some mock drafts at one point this year. Yeah, he was as high as a number three player, and it well, seems he, like he got hurt, and then he wasn't. When he came back, he wasn't like dominant, right? And I think there's look, there's always a guy like this, like a Nick Smith Jr., who had the potential is just through the clouds, right, Sam? And you you look at a guy like this, and yeah. on draft night, it seems like the GM start to realize, okay, maybe he's not as good as we thought he was, or maybe he's not going to be as good in the NBA as what some people thought. And with the setbacks he had and the limited amount of basketball he played this past year. I think they were just a little worried to take the chance on. Man, him. I didn't realize he was as bad of a shooter as he was this past year. Well, and he what, was thirty-seven point six percent from the floor, and it's not quite the same because he wasn't this high. He wasn't being 
um, mocked at, at this high, but does it remind you any of what Alan Flanagan had a couple of years ago when he was as high as 15, 16 on some draft boards and then he undergoes the injury, comes back, isn't quite as good, and he still is yet to, to leave college ball. And similar. So it's yeah. it's kind of similar from mm-hmm. that perspective, from an Auburn fan's perspective at least. Yeah. So um, what is the class of 2024 um, like, uh, what does it look right now for hoops? Like, do we have any five stars or anything? Well, the five-star point guard to Hod Pettiford is committed. I know that uh, he's from New-, New Jersey. We know Auburn's in it for the five-star kind of wing, small four, Dylan Harper. That in the final five, going to be tough to beat Duke out in that one. Yeah. Uh, Flory yeah. Baidunga, the five-star center, uh, Auburn's in it. There as well. Again, I think Duke may be Duke just uh, offered, and I Duke is becoming be more of a threat there. And it's right now, it's hard to beat Duke in recruiting. Uh, it might. I mean, Auburn's going to land a strong class in twenty four, but uh, if Duke right now can basically go sit, go get anyone they want, and uh, if they keep getting involved with these Auburn targets, it may get more difficult on Bruce Pearl to and land I'm think- this dream class that we once envisioned. And I'm thinking just out loud here, but it seems to me like you are developing a little kind of like minor league uh, of basketball because a lot of these bigger programs are going to start looking at portal classes rather than high school recruits. Yep. And so you're going to be getting guys entering the portal from these more mid-tier schools I really think that you're going to see the level of high school players coming in drop at the higher, um, well, excuse me, the amount of players that you're bringing in from high school drop at the more power five level. And then those mid-tier schools, I think they're going to start getting more four stars, more three stars, but they're going to have them stay one or two years and then transfer on to a bigger school if they you know, kind of prove themselves later on. I think you're starting to see that happen really you're going to get five stars and maybe highly ranked four stars coming to school as freshmen in Power Five conferences. But I think a lot of these Power Five schools are waiting on that transfer portal class to bring them in because you can get them, you know, pretty quickly then, and you bring them on campus already with college experience. All right, thanks. Uh, I uh, I always enjoy the show. We appreciate that, appreciate Sam. It, appreciate Sam. you calling in as well. And uh, appreciate yeah. you calling in on a Friday afternoon, 334-321-1390. That's a really good – that's an interesting point, Jack. I'll have to think some more on that because I think, I think you're on to something when it comes to that. Take our final break here. We'll come back, wrap it up, talk about Wendell Green, who did not get drafted, but he will be uh, playing some sort of basketball in the summer. So we'll talk about that really quick when we come back, wrap it all up, and get into the weekend here on ESPN 106.7. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Friday edition of On the Line. Got a couple of more minutes here inside the studio uh, before we get out of here. And then Bill and Dan for the drive will come in from 4 to 6. And then uh, we'll be out of here for the weekend. Uh, But we appreciate you all tuning in all show long, all week long. Uh, Daryl Dapperts joined us on the phone lines in hour number one, talking all things Auburn. We talked some baseball. We talked football recruiting, uh, all that good stuff with him. So we appreciate his time. We've been joined by Jack Hudden in hour number two, uh, as he does uh, most Fridays. And so, 
Uh, we appreciate him joining us as well. It's been a great show today. If you missed any of it, be sure to go and uh, catch up with the podcast, ESPNAU.com, or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Commercial free right after the show today. Uh, be sure you go and catch up with that. Talking a lot of baseball here and basketball here in hour number two as well. So if you need something to listen to this weekend, go to ESPNAU.com wrapping up the basketball conversation with the NBA draft last night we could sit here and talk about this for hours fellas but Wendell Green uh, Sam I believe called in yesterday I was asking about uh, Wendell Green whether he would be drafted or not we said he probably wouldn't he was not but he did sign uh, a deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers to play in the summer league and so while he was not drafted he has a chance to play some basketball and try to prove himself, make a name for himself, and see where it ends up. And so, uh, I mean, Jack, I'm sure you are on the same page as we are about it, but he's just he's just small, man. He's he just small. At his now, if you're looking at Wendell Green's best, so his his top potential when he is at his best, I think he's one of the premier point guards in the SEC, probably in college basketball. I think at his best, Wendell Green's that good. I think he is. The problem with him is that as a small guard like that, you've got to be at your best all the time yep. in the NBA. And I don't think that's – I think he's a too inconsistent for that. I think he's going to make some plays for that summer league squad. I think he's going to be able to produce some things for him. I'm just not sure how much he can contribute to an NBA team given his size, given his inconsistency. Well, I mean, uh, we, we, we talked about this yesterday – with him being as small as he is, I don't think he has elite quickness or elite speed at the point guard position. I don't think he has elite court vision. And I think you need to have probably both of those if you're a small guard. Maybe definitely one. Uh, and if you don't have those, you better be a consistent shooter, which we know is not. You better be a really good shooter. He's not that... He's and let's also be honest. He's a liability on defense. We saw that in the Houston game, where Jermon Mark just got matched up on Wendell and just shot over him time and time again and took over that game and carried Houston when Sasser and the other star players were kind of struggling early. He kept him in the game and then allowed them to take off in the second half and run away with it. He doesn't have any NBA traits. Let's be honest here. Mm-hmm. It, it's just he's that that's not who he is. He's not an NBA player. And Jack, my statement yesterday when talking about Wendell Green and what an NBA future could look like for him, is as harsh as it is to say, I said this and I still believe it. If Jared Harper can't make it in the NBA, Wendell Green will never make it in the NBA. Yeah, because yeah, Jared Harper has a lot of that that Carter just talked about. He has the speed. He has the core vision. He has the shooting. And I think he's gotten better. He has the ball handling, but yet his size limits him. And as much as you don't want it to be that, that's just the truth, man. And it's it sucks. It does. I hate that. But that's where the NBA is. I mean, you have guys who are 6'7", six, 6'8", six, playing point guard. I mean, you can't be 5'10", in tennis shoes or sneakers and, and try to compete. Even at your absolute best, if Jared Harper can't make it in the NBA, I just don't think Wendell Green's going to get that and shot. And when you look at the point guards that Auburn has on the roster this next season and moving forward, Aiden Holloway absolutely has that elite quickness and speed. And I think he has a chance to be a really good three-point shooter at the point guard position. So he, that's two things Wendell didn't have. Trey Donaldson, 
if he can shoot like he did at the end of the year, Golly, he can absolutely yes. Shoot, yes. shoot. He has the best court vision on the team as well. That's something Wendell Green did not have. Tahad Pettiford might have it all. Might have it all. And he might be special in the Bruce Pearl system when he gets to campus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, you're talking about with Aiden Holloway there. I think you mentioned earlier, who's the next Auburn player to get drafted? That's certainly a name that you're going to throw up towards the top. You know, Janai Broom maybe Janai, if he has a great season. Well, because I've already made the claim, when Janai wins SEC Player of the Year and shoots 32% from three and is 18, 19 points, 10, 11 rebounds a game, he's going to get drafted in the, in the second round. So you think Janai is – I don't think that would mean that he goes above Aiden, though. I don't think I don't think Aiden's going to be a one and done guy, personally. Oh, okay, interesting. I think I think Aiden could be a two years and then to the draft guy. And I think mm-hmm. for a guard, it's not always the best thing to jump to the NBA that quick, man. Like Sharif guard, Cooper. especially when you're a smaller right. one. Yeah, especially and, and on the smaller side. Aiden's not tiny, but Aiden's not big. He's on the smaller side. Yes. And this is a conversation. I want to carry into next week, fellas. We'll talk some more about it on Monday. But until then, have a great weekend. Enjoy the nice weather for once all summer long. Have a great weekend. Come back on Monday, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.